Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media at that guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and jhicks042 on Twitter. Also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In The Scope podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Endoscope Podcast. This is your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. And I am here with two great guys in the journalism industry, big mentors of mine within the industry. It's the bigs, Eugene McIntosh and Terrence Tomlin. Fellas, how you guys doing? Doing great, man. Do- pushing forward as usual. Uh, definitely happy to see you still doing your thing, man. We had to make sure we, we touched down with you for sure. Definitely, man. Good to see you, Josh. You already know. We have a phone call or email away, whatever you need us, brother. Yeah, guys, really appreciate it. It's your first appearance on the podcast, so I'm excited that you guys are able to come on and talk all things sports. And obviously with baseball week, this is this is baseball week for war media, so we're definitely gonna cover everything from the cops from the Cubs to the Sox. But before we jump in, I want to talk about this new norm for reporting. Obviously, there's a lot of restrictions going on between, between all the professional leagues that are starting their seasons up. For you guys that have been in, that are being in those realms, especially with the Cubs and the White Sox, talk about what the new norm has been when it comes to reporting on these teams. Well, I, I guess I can, you know, definitely just start off by saying I'm still kind of in awe that we have sports and, you know, uh, just to talk about it in general because just a couple of a weeks ago, a couple of months ago, you know, sports for the rest of this year was in huge doubt, you know, so to see the baseball season come together at the pace that it has and with opening day just a few days away at this point, uh, we've had a couple of opportunities to get back in the press box and really see, you know, how things have changed after, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's, I really just want to say that, man, it's, 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 I, I guess I should say that it's a blessing to still be in the fold, man, because they've actually cut, uh, you know, media availability in half. So it's really half the media members, you know, in these press boxes the last couple of days. Uh, but the bigs have still been able to, you know, be in the fold, be in the uh, press box at Wrigley, be on the south side in the press box and do what we're passionate about, which is, you know, deliver a unique style of sports reporting that, you know, people like yourself can appreciate, you know. So uh, I'm definitely, you know, I'm interested to see what Gene has to say about Wrigley, but I know on the south side, 
You know, it's crazy. The stands are empty. I personally get to go sit on a hundred level right behind the plate and watch practice. And so that's, you know, definitely kind of surreal because it's usually a few fans in there. I know the Sox get a lot of, you know, they're the brunt of a bunch of attendance jokes, but it's usually a few people in there. No, just basically echoing what Tia is saying about, you know, it kind of being just, like he said, a blessing to, to still be able to do it with, like he said, the number of cuts that they've made due to the, the pandemic situation and, you know, them wanting the social distancing and things of that nature. So, you know, it's only right if the bigs, you know, the bigs got to be in the building one way or the other. So it's only right for them to, to keep us in the fold. But, yeah, like he said as well, man, it's, it's kind of weird, you know, being at the stadium with no fans in it. And unlike him, we know at, at Wrigley, they don't let you sit in the stands. You got to be in the press box or nothing. So, you know, they've done a great job of, you know, keeping everybody apart. They definitely, I don't know if you've been in the press box at Wrigley yet, Josh, but uh, they did, they made some upgrades over there. So it's looking really good up there. And uh, they've put barriers in between some of the seats, you know, just to make sure the social distancing is kept. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just... I'm excited to see, you know, I'm a baseball man, so I'm excited to see the game back. And uh, like Terrence said, man, everything was up in the air a couple months ago. So it's um, just great to see, the, you know, the season about to start Friday. So I'm ready, man. Yeah, and it, just from a reporting perspective itself, obviously I'm glad that sports is back as well. We all missed it, and we all know that sports brings – a special relationship and bringing others together in times like this. But from a reported perspective, I'm glad to see that you guys are still going in as black, as black males in the industry. You know, that really means a lot to young brothers like me that look up to you guys that are experienced and really helping being trailblazers and paving the way for young black uh, reporters. So for you guys to still being active and being in these press boxes and covering all, covering these games, man, that means a lot to us. And we definitely look forward to continuing to see what you guys have to report on come this baseball season but transitioning to the Cubs um let's just say there's a lot of a uh, lot of things that have changed since they won this last title um they've been having a hard time getting to the playoffs they got a new manager now I mean when in, in your regards to the in regards to the uh the playoffs just starting off there what do you think happened or contributing to their lack of success coming into the postseason well, I, um, last night I was on a, uh, on a podcast, What's Up Cuz, with uh, Lance Irvin and Jason Palmer. And that was the first, that's crazy, that was the first question they asked me too. And, um, you know, plan, so there are 162 games in 184 days in a regular season. So with the Cubs making the playoffs basically every year since 2015, that's like 170 plus games a year. Now there are no excuses. These guys get paid big bucks. You know they're professionals, and uh, you know they play at the highest level. So there are no excuses. But let's just be real, man. Playing all of those games year after year, it's going to catch up to you somehow. And uh, you could tell by you know like the last couple seasons, the Cubs have definitely fallen off at the plate towards the end of the season. Um, injuries like last year, Javier Baez, you know, missed the last. Who knows how many games with the thumb injury. Um, Anthony Rizzo's having reoccurring back injuries, as we can see now. Chris Bryant's been hurt over the last few years. So I think all of that combined with probably just 
you know, change is good. I'm a Joe Madden guy. I love Joe Madden. He was great for the team while he was there. You know, he was great to the bigs. You know, anytime we needed anything from him, you know, he was a pleasure to deal with, always gave us great information. But maybe his, his time was up, you know, and I think a guy like David Ross was, was, was meant for this job. You know, him, you know, being a part of that 2016 squad, I think that bodes well for the future. And, um, you know, him having those relationships still, a lot of those guys who were part of that championship team, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, Contreras, Schwarber, Hendricks, Lester, couple other guys, Jason Hayward, they're still around. So I think all of that bodes well for them to uh, make a comeback in this in this sprint. You know, it's not a marathon. It's only 60 games. So, uh, you know, there, there are no expectations for me in, in that regard with it being 60 games. Everybody, the Seattle Mariners could come out on top. You never know with this being, you know, something new for everybody. So I'm just interested to see you know, what changes David Ross brings and how those guys rally behind him and rally around the city. You know Cubs fans, man. They're thirsty. You know, they're spoiled. And, uh, you know, they want playoffs year after year. So I'm itching to see what these guys have in store, man. Yeah, and I want to transition to you, uh, Terrence. You can chime in on this as well. But I want to go more in depth on the impact that David Ross can have come, uh, taking over for Joe, uh, for Joe Madden because – Eugene, you hit a, a very good point as far as the player connection. I think it's very important that the managers have that, that player relationship with those guys. And obviously, it was reported that even though Joe Madden still has had that type of relationship, he kind of lost the locker room. It was just time for him to go. Um, with David Ross being that new voice now and him still having that player relationship with them because he was just on that championship team before he even got to this position, talk, talk, Terrence, talk about how key and important that is for a veteran team now, like the Cubs, who who started off with a lot of young players and have now seasoned and grown into this um, this normality of of playoff success within the Cubs franchise. Yeah, Josh, you touched on it, you know, and uh, yeah, and you know, talking about it right there, you know, basically all during Joe Madden's last year, we heard a lot about the guys not, you know, catching his messages is as impactful as they did. And we heard the name David Ross a lot. You know what I mean? So if the, if the question is, can we find a way to connect to our players again? And who can we bring in as a manager to bring that, that charisma back to the locker room? Then I think David Ross is the perfect guy. I feel like he's one of those guys. You know what I mean? He was part of the 2016 run and that was, you know, something special that I don't think the locker room has completely forgotten about yet. You still have Rizzo, KB, uh, Wilson Contreras, guys that really rallied around David Ross when he was on the team as a leader on the field, you know, that wasn't Joe Maddon. You know, but to piggyback on, you know, some of the things Gene said as far as some of the Cubs' issues over the last few years, one thing I'm worried about David Ross not being able to fix is that rotation, you know, and I feel like uh, when you look at what's been going on with that rotation since 2016, uh, it, it's, you know, it's left a lot to the imagination. It's the same guys. You know I mean, um, if you tack on some, some questionable front office moves that I feel may have, you know, taken some of the momentum away from this team, like, you know, trading away some of your prospects like Eloy and Dylan Cease, uh, then that kind of puts it in perspective. They really, 
uh, put a lot of stock in the guys they have on the roster right now. And unfortunately, they haven't hit the jackpot on guys like Schwarber, Almora. And I say they haven't hit the jackpot. That's kind of crazy because they already won a championship, you know. And no, at that time, nobody really expected them to get it at that point in their careers. But since then, we've seen guys like Addison Russell fizz out. You know, we're wondering, is Al Moore going to reach the potential that we, that we thought he could? We want to see more from Schwarber, even though he's taken baby steps over the last few seasons. So, uh, yeah, the, the Cubs have an issue uh, with, you know, they had a managerial issue where it, it definitely felt like Joe Madden had to go. But at the same time, they have some issues on the field uh, that have yet to be seen if they can be corrected, you know, in time to, to squeeze through that championship window at least one more time. And you hit a good point as far as the, the prospects on the field. The, the, and the Cubs draft prospects that they selected this year kind of, kind of you know, helped with that process. They drafted a lot of pitching in the offseason. Off but they also drafted a Chicago Southside native, and I believe his name is Ed Howard, the shortstop from Mount Carmel. And you mentioned Addison Russell and how he fizzled out. Um, talk about maybe if Ed Howard is the perfect fit to replace a guy like Addison Russell for the long term. Yeah, I think Ed Howard, shout out to shout out to Ed coming from my alma mater, Mount Carmel, man. It's always great to see, you know, a, a young brother like that, you know, live out his dreams and actually get to do it at the crib. So I think he's a perfect fit. I think he was he was raised very well. His parents are great. You know, his circle is great. Uh, the guys who've raised him baseball-wise, shout out to my guy uh, Mike Davis and my guy Lou Collier, for, uh, former pros. Lou Collier played eight or nine years, played with the Pirates and a couple other teams in the league, came back home and, you know, gave back to the kids. So they've been – they raised Ed since he was seven. So that's why a guy like Ed – and I'm going to talk about his skill level. That's why, you know, his skill level is at that level because he was raised by pros. And that's something that a lot of kids from the South Side and from Chicago, from the soil, as we call it, they don't get. You know, the pros don't come back and lend a hand and, and, and teach us. Like for myself, I mean, I played Division One baseball and I went down, I got a scholarship to Southern University just off of sheer love and passion for the game. I didn't really have any technical skills. Nobody taught me how to play baseball. So I think that's a, a plus for Ed, and I think he's in great hands. You know, Theo and Jed and Jason McLeod in the front office, they did a great job, uh, as well as my uh, one of our buddies, Karan Walker, who's an area scout. He, uh, he's known Ed since he was a kid, too. So Karan was able to give uh, the front office uh, some some background info. So I'm definitely looking forward to the next. Only thing that's going to stop Ed from being in the Cubs uh, organization up top is injury. So in the next two and a half, three years, uh, I'm looking at Ed to come. If Javi's still here. You know, Javi is versatile. They can move him to second base. And uh, a, a, a middle combo, Ed Howard and Javier Baez for the next you know, five, six, seven, whoever, who knows how many years is, is sounding good, sounding like like music to my ears, man. Yeah, I mean to have Javi Baez and Ed Howard in that, that like that at that tandem, that's deadly. That's really deadly for the. That could be really deadly for the Cubs for long term. But the pitching aspect, obviously, Terrence harped on it earlier. This it's a struggle for them, and it always has been a struggle over time. 
they, I want to say, drafted maybe four pitchers this, in this past draft. Correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. But they, they, they drafted to target that pitching aspect. Terrence, do you really believe that these prospects that they drafted can make a huge impact, especially this season as it is going to be a shortened season, um, as far as moving the Cubs back into the right direction of actually going towards that championship? It's definitely going to have to if they want to stay on that track. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like the Cubs – are a good organization uh, for young players to come and grow. You know, uh, we saw players like uh, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, uh, those, those, you know, those homegrown talents that, you know, stuck around and really became all-time Cubs. You, you can hang your hat on, you know, the way they've been able to uh, progress throughout their careers. I definitely expect uh, guys like Ed Howard to do the same, you know, I'm expecting their pitching prospects, uh, you know, to, to show improve. They're going to have to show improve. But also, as long as Theo is around, you know I mean, you, you expect a, a certain level of savviness. So if those guys aren't it, you know what I mean, I expect a, a move to be made to bolster the pitching staff somehow, some way, rather quickly. Everybody listening right now, you are tuning in and listening to the bigs. Um, guys, what are – Eugene, uh, if you can, what are your pros and cons to this shortened season for the Cubs? Like, the, how, how does this benefit but also potentially hurt the Cubs when it comes to this upcoming season? Well, I think the main benefit is, like we said from the beginning, those guys being veteran ball players, having seen mostly every type of ball game season that you possibly could have seen since 2015. So I think that's a, I think that's a plus for them. And again, just knowing that they basically jagged the last two seasons, you know, they know what the fans and what them themselves, what they expect out of each other. And they know they've blown it the last couple of years. Like Terrence said, you know, guys like Almora, Schwarber, mm-hmm. even Addison Russell, who's no longer part of the team, you know, guys who haven't lived up to their full potential. Those guys are still looking to break out. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, uh, the shortened season is a gift more than a curse. I think it's a curse for everybody, like I said, because it's fairly new. It's, well, it's not fairly. It is new. And it's something that no one has ever seen before. So everybody's going to have to, you know, go on this with the same outlook. Because if you if you go on a six, seven-game losing streak this year, it's a wrap. Those games are going to feel like two losses instead of one. So you got to come out the gate busting. And um, as far as like Terrence was talking about the pitching, uh, you know, the Cubs with Jose Quintana, you know, his injury to start off the season with, uh, you know, you Darvish had a pretty good second half last year. Kyle Hendricks is somebody that the Cubs can depend on. Uh, John Lester, you know, he looked like a shell of himself last year. So, you know, John Lester is fiery. You know, he's looking to come back and show that he still got it. You know, you Darvish is looking to continue where he left off last year. Kyle Hendricks is the opening day starter. So he's looking to be the ace of the staff. And with the 60-game season, you may not need a five-man rotation. So you got guys like uh, Tyler Chatwood, who, you know, a $40 million man looking to show his worth. And a guy like Alec Mills, who, you know, the Cubs are looking to, you know, to, to, to show and prove. So I think there are more pros than cons and um, I think probably the only con would be like you guys talked about the, the whole David Ross situation. 
like him being new to this, not knowing what to expect. But I think on the opposite side of that, what he has in his corner is great assistant coaches. You know, a guy like Will Venable, uh, uh, Iapochi, the hidden coach. And, you know, uh, a guy like, um, I forgot our pitching coach. I can't think his name right now. But, you know, having guys like that, again, who he was a part of the team in 16. Those guys are still there. So just having those relationships, being able to, you know, lean on those guys if he needs to, I think that's going to bode well. So um, with the NL Central being kind of weak, in my opinion, you know, the Cardinals, Pirates, those guys didn't get any stronger. The Brewers, I think they're, you know, they may fall off even a little worse than they were last year. I think the Cincinnati Reds will probably be the best uh, competition for the NL Central. So I'm looking for the Cubs to kind of come on home and, 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 and take this thing. If, if they win the Central, I think it'll be by two or three games with the Cincinnati Reds coming in second. You agree, Terrence? Well, you know, I always can count on Gene to just fill me with faith in the Cubs. Because uh, <laughs> the way he just talked about that pitching staff just made me feel like the Cubs are going all the way. Uh, but I definitely think there's going to be some huge challenges in the 60-game season. Uh, because simply because the emphasis to get off to a fast start is going to be so huge. And, uh, yes, I feel like the, um, the National League Central is a division that the Cubs can compete in. But, you know, you look at uh, the rest of the schedule, they got the White Sox on their schedule, the Twins, uh, the Royals, the Tigers, the Indians, uh, you know, over there in the AL Central. And it's, it's some big bats over there, man, that are going to challenge that Cubs pitching. Uh, but one thing that the Cubs have in their favor, man, is they – I look at their roster and I just see vets at this point. I see guys like – uh, Chris Bryant, who I feel has had, I don't even, I don't want to say he's had a down last couple of seasons, but he hasn't really been the Chris Bryant we know him to be in the last couple of seasons. Uh, we found out that he was dealing with some, you know, off the, off the diamond issues behind the scenes with the Cubs and his arbitration case, uh, which is now settled. And I actually feel like that's going to be a, a load off of his shoulders. I actually feel like we're going to see uh, MVP level Chris Bryant, which is scary. Uh, because even when he hasn't played at that level, the Cubs have, have competed at a high level. Uh, and then, you you know, they're the Cubs right now. You know what I mean? They, they have a couple of players that you can say are top five players in baseball on, on their best days. So anytime you can say that about a roster, you, you certainly have to throw them in the mix of being contenders. And then when you consider that this is a 60-game season where everything is up in the air, if the Cubs get out – to a fast start, nobody's going to want to see them, that's for sure. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Eugene McIntosh and Terrence Tomlin of the Bigs. Let's transition to the Southsiders, man, because the Sox, <laughs> man, they, they, they showed a lot of promise last year. And them behind the leadership of Tim Anderson and them basically regrouping that core, that young core for, long, for the long term, as well as bringing in a couple of big-time free agents, in what ways do you believe the Sox can improve um, from their positive showings from last season? Well, I think the, uh, the Sox have an opportunity to improve all around the board, from their pitching staff to their offense to their defense. I feel like the young guys over there on the south side are at a point where uh, they can start putting up some impressive 
uh, uh, stats on the board, but necessarily wins. I think they can start winning some of those games that they've been been losing over the last couple of years. When you look at the way Tim Anderson has been able to progress, man, uh, the reigning AO batting champ. And if you've seen uh, if you've seen him at all at summer camp, he just looks like he's still taking those steps forward in terms of being uh, an elite offensive talent. Uh, you look at a guy like Yohan Mankata, who when we traded for Yohan Mankata, we gave up Chris Sale. We gave up pretty much uh, our best player of the decade. You know what I mean? So you, uh, when you think of Yohan Mankata, you're hoping that he rounds out into what could possibly be one of the best players in the league. And when you look at what he's been able to do over the last year or so, you feel like he's on the right track. And then I can just go on. You're talking about guys like Eloy Jimenez, uh, we, uh, Luis uh, Robert, the rookie, uh, who's showing a bunch of promise, looks like a, a wide receiver when he's at the plate, as, as big as he is. Uh, but then you, you talk about uh, the pitching staff and what they've been able to add behind Lucas Giolito this, uh, for this season in a Dallas title. Um, Carlos Rondon coming back, hoping to stay healthy. Uh, this time around, but then you also have, have guys like Dylan Cease, who uh, we got because in that Jose Quintana trade, who's looked very smooth uh, in his short summer camp action. Uh, so there, there's a lot of questions uh, on if we can take, you know, the step forward and become a, a top team in the AL Central, let alone the league. Uh, but when you look at this squad on paper, yeah, you can't be anything but excited. And I like how you brought up that point because of the fact that there is a lot of excitement around the White Sox this season. This season, I mean, with the fact that we have a shortened season, some experts have actually came out and said this. Well, the White Sox can surprise the league and take this thing over and be actually a real, a, a real competitive team when it comes to potentially playoff conversation this season. Um, Gene, do you really believe that the White Sox can really take things to the next level with the season being so short? Um, to potentially take that extra leap and really be a, a deep playoff team. Yeah, actually, um, I have the same feelings about the AL Central as I do the NL Central. I think that division isn't that good, where the Sox can't run away with it. I mean, the Minnesota Twins, they had an outstanding year last year, but they're one of those every other year teams. So this is going to be that other year. Kansas City Royals, ah. Eh. Cleveland Indians, they sound good. Detroit Tigers, no way. And who, who, who am I missing? No, just the Sox left. So there we go. So I think the biggest, the biggest thing for me, because that, that lineup on paper is outstanding. Like with, with Ed Encarnacion, that addition, that's a huge bat to aid and assist Eloy, Jose Abreu, Joan Moncada, and Tim Anderson. That one through five with Luis Robert, Hitting six, and James McCann, that's nasty up and down. Yasmani, yeah, Yasmani Grandal. Come on, man, they they made huge pickups in the offseason. So offensively, if they're hitting on all cylinders, it could get ugly. But my biggest thing that I want to see where the where the game is won, Tim Anderson, man. I want to see Tim Anderson up the middle. He led the he led the league in errors last year, so I need to see him take a step up defensively. And I need to see him win three or four ball games up the middle. And that uh, I think that alone 
could take the Sox where they need to be and, and, and give them the upper hand in the AL Central. I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, Terrence, uh, go more in depth on what on Eugene's point about the fact that Tim Anderson needs to, needs to step up in all areas and really be that alpha male of this team. So that way they can really take over, the, take this team to the next level and potentially be that playoff team. Uh, you, you just said it right there. And I, I feel like when you interact with Tim Anderson, he knows what's on his plate. Uh, you know, when we got a chance to talk to him at Sox Fest, the one thing he said is that on, on both sides, you know, at, you know, at the plate and in the field, he has a better understanding of the game. You know, and I, that spoke volumes to me just basically off of what he was able to accomplish without having a supreme knowledge of baseball. Because I, I go back to what Gene said earlier on in the conversation. Uh, black baseball players, you know, uh, uh, you know, are really thrust, especially in baseball, are thrust on, into this level and almost don't have a true chance to learn the game, you know. And so when Tim, he, he had the opportunity when he did, didn't really spend a lot of time in the minors. Uh, he's about, you know, three years up in the major leagues right now. I guess, you know, it's fair to say that he has the experience where he can actually start to learn uh, this game at a major level. And I think the White Sox did have a bunch of favors. I think the, the pitching additions are really going to help the defense. You know, I think guys like Dallas Keuchel, uh can get a bunch of ground balls, and that's going to help guys like Yon Mankata and Tim Anderson, who both have to show that they can do it with their glove the same way they do it at the plate. So I'm counting on uh, the roster being more rounded out. Uh, you know, we'll see some improvements all around the board, including defense, because Tim definitely has to cut, you know, cut down on those errors. He started off real good last year and, and just really had a, a stint last year where it was just kind of crazy. But uh, I feel like he bounced back towards the end of the year and showed that he could be a prime time shortstop. You already know he's, he's coming with the, uh, with the flashiness. He, you know, he definitely is one of those guys that loves to make it look good. Uh, so I think we can count on Tim you know, taking those steps forward when it comes to defense, for sure. Who finishes the season with a better record, Cubs or the Sox? I got them at the same. I, I, they would ask that question yesterday. They asked everybody to go through each division, pick division winners and all of that. So um, I picked them both 33 and 27. Ooh. I picked them both at 33 and 27. Sox winning the division by a game and a half, maybe. Cubs winning theirs by a game and a half or two. I'm thinking, personally, I'm thinking the Sox can get the 35 wins. I'm thinking that's going to, you know, 35 to 40 is going to be the threshold to, you know, to be a serious playoff contender. And I'm thinking the Cubs can be somewhere around that. But I'm going to give the edge to the White Sox this year. Uh, 35 wins for the White Sox, 30 wins for the Cubs. Okay. Okay. So, we, so we got one person. We got Terrence talking about the, uh, the White Sox over the Cubs. Gene pretty much has them even. But who really wins the Crosstown Challenge this year? Who yeah, did, did we? I know it was practice, Gino. I know it's practice, uh, Josh. But the White Sox really put on the show in the exhibition games and, and had, you know, they had a fan base excited. Not too excited because we know it's just practice. But at the same time, you know, it, it's hard to see 
a weakness in that lineup offensively. You know, I, I'm constantly looking at the lineup trying to find where the, 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 the weakness is, and it's just not there right now. We'll see how, you know, a couple weeks from now when we're a few weeks into the season. But I'm willing to say the Cubs are going to have their hands full with the White Sox. And keep in mind that, you know, those games are going to be meaningful. I think we play them in the – like, is the, what they're the first – one of the first three opponents. And then they're the last home the series. Last. Yeah. yeah, in September. So, you know, the baseball guys did that one on purpose so we can get, you know, some wild mm-hmm. action. Hopefully both teams make the playoffs and we can get that Crosstown World Series that we've been hoping for. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, man. I definitely think, even though, like you said, those games were practice, but anytime them guys link up, you know what they know what time it is, practice or not. So I think the Sox show that you know what 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 time they were on. I mean, the Cubs, you know, one one the the only thing that I mean, I'm not even worried about. It. It's not a worry, but I think league wide, I think the hitters are going to be ahead of the pitching just because. You know, a lot of those guys were thrown off of their routines and a lot of pitchers are still ramping up. And we know that even during the regular baseball season, I mean, some guys, if you Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer or somebody like that, you come out the gate strong and, you know, you always have a hell of a year. But I think the majority of pitchers usually catch their, their stride around the 60-game 60, 60 mark, maybe a third of the season in. So I think that's going to bode well for hitters all around the league that, you know, the hitters are going to be ahead of the pitching. But, um, you know, me and Terrence, we got to keep, you know, we got to keep the rivalry going. So, you know, I'm going to say the Cubs are going <laughs> to take the Crosstown series, man, just for the sake of, of rivalry. But like he said, man, it's Chicago or nothing with both of us. We're looking for the Subway series. And, uh, you know, they owe that to the city with everything that's going on with this pandemic, people out of work, you know, COVID affecting so many people. You know, around the world, not just our city and country, but around the world. So I think the Subway Series would definitely bring some uh, some light and some shine to the city, man. Nah, that's real facts right there. And uh, you guys definitely hit the nail on the coffin. I'm definitely, look, definitely looking forward to the Subway uh, Series and really just the, the MLB in general. I mean, I've, I've never been a guy that really sat and watched MLB consistently, <laughs> but the fact that we ain't had no sports, I'm taking it. I'm 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 excited watching <laughs> baseball highlights on on Sports Center. So I I missed it for sure. Man, one of the guys, uh, cuz uh, Brian from Brian Mayer from Surrey Mountain, uh, my cousin, he was over. He came through earlier to chop it up for a minute, and he was saying how he's so thirsty for some baseball. It's ridiculous, and I know this is a guy who hasn't sat and watched a baseball game in his mm-hmm. life. And he said he can't wait to tune in Friday for for opening day. So. You're not alone, Josh. I mean, we you know how it is, man. It may sound selfish for, for you know, sports, avid sports fans to want sports back in this climate, but we need something, man. And I think as long as these guys, as long as these, uh, you know, the executives and the people in charge can keep everything as safe as possible, um, it's going to bring a lot of people joy just to, you know, to have something to take their minds off of real life for a couple hours a day. So Absolutely. I, I, real quick, I... I... Just to piggyback on what Gene said, man, as long as they can keep it safe and we can keep in mind, you know, and not forget, you know, things like, you know, getting justice for Breonna Taylor and everything that's going on in Chicago with Miracle Boyd and CPD, you know, still trying to keep those issues at a forefront, forefront, but definitely understanding, 
the need for a little entertainment. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with sports coming back and giving some people uh, some stuff to cheer about. So, you know, like we said at the top of this, we're blessed to be able to uh, deliver some sports news uh, over the next few days, over the next few months, hopefully. Hopefully we can keep this going with no stoppage, you know? Yeah, most definitely, guys. Real quick, we got a minute, less than a minute left. Give, uh, give you guys your social media real quick. Where can everybody follow you guys on social media? Uh, definitely lock in with us at It's The Bigs on Twitter. Uh, lock in with me personally at Tomlin Does It. You know, last name first. That's how I get down. You know, lock in with us, like he said, at It's The Bigs on Twitter, at It's The Bigs on Instagram. Me personally, you can find me at Stay Humble on Twitter. Uh, the bigs dot us or just type in the bigs man google is your best friend type in the bigs we all over the place or just ask around man and you'll be able to find the brothers man man thank you guys so much for coming on the Indescope podcast i really appreciate you guys appreciate you guys and you guys obviously are welcome to more to come back anytime for everybody listening it's the bigs that represented on the Indescope podcast follow me on twitter at jhicks042 on instagram at that guy josh hicks appreciate you guys coming on We'll talk soon. Peace, love, love Josh. Yes, sir.